Amen. Well, today we're we're continuing on our second part of uh, Mighty, and uh, last week was a wonderful service. Man, we had a lot of great people respond uh, for uh, overcoming self-reliance. We talked about Samson. If you weren't able to be here, we had a, a, I just want to give you a couple quick updates. Last week, um, our women were on their women's retreat. We had about 30 ladies uh, that were over there, and it was a, just a report. I didn't go. I was here. Uh, But the reports were that it was a a great retreat uh, down in Cape May, that they enjoyed it greatly, and just uh, lots of wonderful testimonies of people uh, getting connected with each other and how God touched their lives. And so uh, that's an annual thing. They enjoyed it a lot. Uh, but I'd love to see you guys get connected all with the women's ministry and uh, see all that happen. And so uh, and for those that were here, for the women that went on the retreat, um, it's, what's exciting is Mother's Day coming up. I'm really excited about this because um, my wife is preaching. I'm very excited about my wife preaching. Um, because I've heard her do Bible studies, I've heard her do small groups, but I've never heard her do a Sunday morning service. So that's going to be fun and exciting. I know it's going to be powerful. We really do want to highlight Mother's Day uh, because Mother's Day is a very important time uh, for you to get your families with you. We want to offer family portraits for you out in the foyer, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll give them digitally to you. Uh, we'll post them up on Facebook so we can just celebrate families. And so get your whole family there. Now, we're still going to do, you know, like the, the oldest mother, the most grandkids and stuff, but we did, we did want to do a little competition. We did want to do a little competition, just to make it possible. And so if you want to adopt a few kids between now and now, that's it, now and then, that's okay. Uh, but we want to do the mom that has the most kids on campus, okay? And so they don't have to be in the sanctuary. They don't have to be, so if you've got kids over, we're not, we're not shutting down kids' church. We're not shutting down the nursery. But we want if the most kids on campus. We're going to see uh, who's going to want the prize the most, okay? Uh, and so we're going to work on it hard. Now, Heather and I just got one, so we're, we're, and we're not even eligible to win. It's, and so, uh, but we'd love to see uh, families be here with us because we want to be a family focused on young families. Or we want to be a family, you know, we want to be a church focused on young families. We want to encourage your family to come worship with you. And so we're excited about Mother's Day. It's coming up. We've got uh, Mighty this week, Mighty next week, and then Mother's Day. So it's going to be a wonderful time. Mother's Day is always important for me because I use it as a, the, the marker to remember my mom's birthday. Because uh, it's May 9th. My mom's birthday is May 9th, and so they're always right next to each other. Uh, I did want to mention, uh, we saw it in the, the uh, video announcements, um, Wednesday night was our first midweek service. I had a great attendance, and we started, um, we started a new series called Living in the Spirit. And this past Wednesday, we talked about uh, the person of the Holy Spirit and the divinity of the Holy Spirit, uh, just to help establish over the next eight to ten weeks, we're going to go through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the works of the Holy Spirit. It's a little different format than Sunday mornings. We do a time of worship, we do a time of prayer, and then we do a time of teaching, and it is, uh, it's, it's different than preaching. It is a time of uh, Bible study and teaching, but it'll be here in the sanctuary. Right now, we have preschool child care. Uh, we will expand to have infants and elementary child care, and eventually have our youth on Wednesday tonight as well, so we'll be able to do a full family service, everyone together, excited about that coming actually here in the summer. And so I wanted, I'd love to invite you out, be a part of that. Uh, it's going to be a great thing. Two things, I, I just remember them as I go, and you, you help me remember. Uh, we Impact Girls, I posted, a, I put a picture up on uh, Facebook yesterday about our Impact Girls ministry. You might not realize all that Impact Girls does. Now we say Impact Girls, but it includes boys down in the, the, the uh, three and four-year-olds. My, my, son, my son Bennett is in Rainbows, and that falls under Impact Girls, but he's still a boy. Uh, but they, they, they get it down there. But Impact Girls, they, they went out a few weeks ago, and they, uh, they sang at a uh, nursing home in Jackson. 
And they do all sorts of different ministry opportunities like that. They also help support kids that want to go to youth convention. They do that as part of their, their fundraising efforts and stuff. And so next Saturday is a vintage brunch uh, for Impact Girls. Uh, I, the tickets are $10 for adults, $7 for kids under 7 I, or $5 for kids under 7 If you cannot go, if you cannot go, I understand. But if you can, I'd love to have you go. But if you can't go, stop by their four-year table anyways and help support the ministry. Just help support them because uh, they, they, they do a wonderful job of raising money. Uh, but they, there's a lot of needs to help. It's not just for curriculum and supplies. It Actually, a lot of it goes to help parents that can't afford uh, different aspects of the ministry. We want to be able to support as many of them as we can. So if you don't have a kid in children's or in, in uh, Impact Girls or even Royal Rangers for that matter, you can help support a family. That's one of the ways we'd be family focused and family friendly is by helping to support them uh, in the ministries and stuff. So stop by their four-year table. Uh, actually, I told Maribel just to tackle people as they walk out. And uh, she's got Al. He's going to be out there roping yen. So uh, it's either go over there voluntarily or he's carrying you. And so we'd love to have you stop by there. And then also to mention the, uh, the uh, connection reception today following service for kids, for, not for kids, it's for parents of kids and teenagers. We're going to meet in the Joy Center following service here. Uh, it'll be about 45 minutes long, and uh, that will be that. I just would love to hear your thoughts and some needs and just talk to you a little bit about uh, the direction I see God is leading us in as a church. I've been here now uh, just uh, two months. Tomorrow makes uh, two months officially. And uh, we are loving being here. It's been so wonderful. And I really, oh, thanks. I'm really, I'm getting to the point where, you know, everyone always asks, what's the vision? What's the vision? What's the vision? Well, we're, we're getting to the point where we're starting to see God birth some stuff and develop it. I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm not like President Trump in being president, but I am like President Trump that people don't really evaluate him until 100 days. And so uh, give, me, give me 100 days, okay? Give me 100 days. So that'll get me into June uh, before we start. Let's start talking about where we're going. Let's start talking about direction. I, you know, we're, we're coming up on it. It's, it's exciting. I've been having so many wonderful meetings. The connection receptions are a great way to do that. And so I would love to be able to talk more and just hear people's hearts about what God has done historically, but also uh, about the direction God is taking us. Because I believe he's leading us, and I believe he's guiding us. We, this is what I know. This is what I know. I know that you do not have a church with this many excited, energetic, and encouraging people and not go somewhere. And we're going somewhere. We haven't defined where we're going yet, but we're going somewhere. And we're going where God leads us. We're going where God directs us. And so we know that if God goes before us, we're going to be successful. Because a vision that comes from God is really, it's an unseen reality. A vision that comes from God is an unseen reality because it's going to happen as long as we're faithful to respond to what God is doing. And so that's where we're heading. I'm excited. I'm encouraged. And I just pray that uh, you will come alongside us. And let's just continue to pray that God will release visions and dreams and that we will be a spirit-filled church pursuing hard after the vision that God's given us. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue on in Mighty. It's the second part of our series. Like I said last week, if you, didn't, if you weren't here last week, you can catch the replay uh, on Facebook Live. We're actually eventually going to uh, redo the church's website and we'll have an on-demand feature there so you'll be able to watch just the sermon um, as we go along and stuff, but we're just, it's, it's, in, the, it's in the hopper. It's the, one of the things that we're working towards, but we'll get there. If you want to open up your Bible, we'll be in Numbers. Uh, chapter 13 is where we're going to start. 
uh, Numbers chapter 13. If you'll forgive me, if, uh, if today you notice me blinking an extra lot or if I hold my Bible a little closer, um, I was doing some yard work yesterday, and I had a tree limb. Uh, it got in behind my glasses and caught me right in the eye. And so uh, it stopped hurting, which is good. But if you come and talk to me uh, today, you notice that one eye is a little swollen. My eyelids are a little swollen. And so I look a little crazy. I'm not. Uh, I promise you, I'm not. I'm pretty normal. Uh, but so if I blink a lot, that's why. is because the eye is still a little irritated. But, uh, and if I hold my Bible a little closer, it's because I'm having a little hard time reading just because of the little fluid. So uh, if you'll bear with me, it'll be good. All right, can we do that? You know, I think today, last week we talked about one of the biggest sins in the church, one of the biggest sins of the church being uh, people relying on themselves to accomplish stuff. I think this week uh, we're going to talk about another big challenge facing people. Now, I don't know about you. I, I am not a big fan of bugs. Anybody like bugs? Bennett likes bugs. We took him down to Insectropolis. I don't know if you've been there. Um, that was the one-time visit. That's all I needed. Uh, and so we, we went down. He loved it. He got to pet a, he pet a scorpion and a, uh, well, he pet, pet a hissing cockroach. He, he petted a, a tarantula. I mean, just, yeah. And, and Heather was very proud of herself because she was brave. She was brave because she did it too. But for some people, they're just flat out terrified of bugs. bugs. I'm not scared of bugs. I'm just not a fan of them. My mom is terrified of snakes. Does anybody, anybody like snakes? No, are you, ter- are you terrified of snakes? Okay, well, we're not going to have any in here, okay? We're going we're gonna to be St. Patrick and pray, pray them out. Pray them out of New Jersey. All right, so here, we, we, but snakes terrify people. There's people, here's, here's, here's the, with my mom, it was such a great terror. I had a, I had a cousin that had a, a python, and he, he brought it to our house. And we're like, we're just going to take it into the basement. My mom's like, no, that's not coming in my house. No, we just take it down to the basement. No, mom, it's not coming to my house. And so being the slick uh, teenagers that we were, we're like, okay, mom, it won't come in. And so I just went into the kitchen and distracted my mom for a minute. And my cousin came around the backside of the house and brought it in the back door to the basement. And my mom heard the door shut and said, you get that thing in my house right now. My mom does not like snakes at all. But a lot of people have different things they're afraid of. We call them phobias. People are afraid of people are afraid of heights. People are afraid of the dark. People are afraid that people are afraid of outdoor spaces. People are afraid of all sorts of things. And fear causes all kinds of problems. It causes deep anxiety. And it's not made up. It's real anxiety. If you've ever have you ever been just terrified. You remember that feeling, the heart beating faster. You have a hard time catching your breath. It's not made up. It was the danger real? Maybe, maybe not. I remember one time I scared Heather. I try not to do this because I don't, Heather startles easy, so I had to quit doing it. And so I, I was, I got down on my hands and knees and poked my head around a little pony wall and just said, boo. And it scared her so bad because it was so, she broke down in tears. So we learned we don't scare our wives like that. But when we're gripped with fear, it makes us freeze, doesn't it? When we suffer with anxiety, we start questioning everything, don't we? We start wondering, is this the right direction? Is this the right direction? Should, what, 
The, the fight or flight, right? You remember this from school? Fight or flight. Sometimes we don't know what to do, so we just stand. The other week, Bennett was out by a bush in our, uh, our neighbor's backyard, and he just starts crying. I'm like, what's the matter? What's the matter? Come get me, come get me. He's up the whole Come get me, come get me. I get up there and said, what's the matter? He goes, there's bees right there. I'm like, well, why don't you come this way? But he was so scared. He couldn't move. I think that happens in our lives a lot. We get so scared. We get so insecure in our fear of failing. Or we get so insecure in the fear of what other people will think about us. We get racked with anxiety about making the wrong decision. And so oftentimes, a lot of people just follow what everyone else does. They just follow what everyone else does. And all of a sudden, we have a big, big group think, and we're not uniquely doing what God has called us to do. What we're doing instead is just what everyone else is doing. You know, there's actually a thing right now. It's, it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's an actual psychological condition, but it's a condition of culture. Uh, they call it uh, the fear of missing out. FOMO. Yep, here we go. We got it over there. The fear of missing out. How many of you that are on Facebook feel this obsessive, obsessive compulsion to check what's going on? Because you're afraid you might miss something. The fear of missing out. Fear drives us to all kinds of decisions. Good decisions sometimes, but oftentimes it's mostly bad decisions when we're driven by fear. We try and protect ourselves. We try and guard ourselves. And I want to tell you, they had the same problem in the Bible that we have today. Fear stopped a lot of people. Stopped a lot of people. And so today I want to look at, we're going to start in Numbers chapter 13. This is a very familiar story. Uh, we, we, we understand it. We've heard it. We've, we've seen it before. And I'm sure we'll preach on it again because it's about the people of Israel going in to possess the promised land. And so here we are. We're picking up in verse 17. I want to jump a couple spots, but I'll give you the heads up. Start in verse 17. It says, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he, he said, go up through Negev and into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? And are, are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some fruit from the land. It was a season for the first ripe grapes. Then jumping to verse 26. Now, for those of you not familiar with the story, Moses sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan that was the promised land of Israel. God had said, this is yours. Sent 12 spies in to see what it's like. In verse 26, we get their report. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Piranha. And said, they, there they reported to them that the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruits. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Now, let me give you an, a, a, a knack, why that's so important. A knack, descendants of a knack, they're giants. They are the giants of the Old Testament. Literal giants. I mean, this is not like a knack, giants. And we see them in the Amalekites oftentimes as they refer to them. But when they talk about the descendants of a knack, they're talking about giants. The Amalekites live in the Negev. 
the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hills and countries, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and possess the land, take possession of the land, for certainly we can do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread out among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those that live in it. All the people we saw there are a great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We, see, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. The people that went into the land, they said, the land is filled with giants. The descendants of Anak. Now, when we think of giants in the Bible, what do we often think of? David and Goliath, right? And if you grew up in Sunday school, that might be the only time you've ever heard of giants. But you know, there are giants all throughout the Word of God. All throughout the Old Testament, we hear of giants. When they talk about the Nephilim, when they talk about the descendants of Anak, when they talk about the descendants of Wrath, they're all talking about giants. You're like, wow, who had any idea? So that's why when they come back, from the land that was promised to them and said the descendants of Anak are there, what are they doing? They're responding in fear. They're responding in fear. And when we look at what they say, they say that we can't do it. There's nothing we can do. But Joshua, start in uh, chapter 14, verse 6, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Joshua and Caleb, they had no experience beating giants. They had no experience uh, conquering a land like God had given them. No experience at all. But here's what they said. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. Now, today we don't really face a whole lot of giants in the world. But I do think we face giant problems, giant issues. And when we get gripped by fear, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. The Word of God tells us that the ten that gave a bad report, they went and spread gossip and rumors and said, we can't do it. We can't do it. There's no way in the world that we can do it. Caleb and Joshua said, listen, God's with us. How can we fail? Fear and anxiety cause us to question God's ability to answer our need. 
we start worrying amongst ourselves. We start, imagine the ten sitting there talking amongst themselves. Yeah, they're going, Caleb and Joshua are crazy. There's nothing we can do there. There's nothing we can do with that. And they start reinforcing with each other. That fear starts reinforcing. No, we're right. We, we, we're right. We're, the person standing in faith on the promise of God is oftentimes out there by themselves. Because a life filled with faith looks brave. A life filled with faith isn't a life free of fear. But it's a life believing that if God leads us someplace, if God takes us someplace, he is going to provide for us. Joshua and Caleb had no experience beating giants. But what'd they do? God said we can do it. And so let's do it. And of the 12 that went into the land, Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that are allowed to go. Actually, you weren't, this is, if you look in verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 36, here's what happened to the 10 that gave the bad report. It says, so the men Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the Lord were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Only Joshua and Caleb were able to enter the land. You know, when fear grips us, we can bleed that out onto other people. Are you sure you want to do that? There's a new parenting term. It's not that new anymore. Have you ever heard of a helicopter parent? A helicopter parent? They they basically, they're, they're about three feet from their child all the time. They're about three feet from the child all the time. No, don't get into that. Don't get into that. These, the, the children become so protected that the first time anything hits them negatively or hurts them, it's a crisis in life. Now, I, I grew up, my parents were good parents. Still are. They're still, they're still with us. They're good parents. Uh, but they, were also, they also gave us freedom to get outside the house and get hurt. Uh, and and I, you know, I, 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 fortunately, I have never broken a bone. Uh, I've never, my brother, not so much the case. He jumped off the roof of the house at one point. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's broken his leg. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it happens. I, I'm smarter than my brother, and so I, uh, I did not jump off the house. Uh, but my parents let us run in the neighborhood. And you know what happened? I got hurt. I got hurt. But if we live in constant fear of what might happen, We're never prepared for what actually does happen. Because you can't adequately prepare. You can be wise. I'm not not just saying let your kids run in traffic. But I'm saying we have to be ready, but we also have to be willing to trust that God will protect us. What if we try something and it fails? What if we try something and it succeeds? Fear says, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to go as far as I'm comfortable. I'm going to go as far as I think I can make it. And what we're really saying, remember what we said last week, the greatest sin facing the church is our self-reliance. When we say, I'm willing to go as far as I think I can make it, and we just, we, we just whisper it quietly to ourselves, on my own. But faith requires us to say, 
I think this is how far we can go with God's leading. You know, the fear of snakes, the fear of, the fear of bugs, the fear of various things, those are real fears. And that's not really the fear we're talking about today. The fear I'm talking about today is the fear that prevents us from following what God has for us. Joshua and Caleb saw giants. And what did they do? We can do it. We can do it. Why can we do it? Because God is with us. And I think that was actually just one of the first examples of God's people defeating giants. Defeating giants. About 400 years after the Israelites took the promised land and defeated the giants, David faced Goliath. About 400 years later. Now, the Word of God doesn't tell us this, but understand this was a people that had an oral history. They told stories of what God had done. Do you think David knew of the story of taking the promised land? I'll promise you he did. And when we look in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we pick up with the people of Israel as they're facing the Philistines. We'll pick up there, and we see Israel again faced by a giant. Here's what it says, starting in verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistines. Gath is, another, is actually, Gath translates into giant. Came out of the Philistines' camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of the Israelites, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not a servant of Saul? Choose a man and have him come to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and the people of Israel were dismayed and terrified. They were frozen with fear absolutely frozen with fear. What do you do when you're frozen with fear? Well, you can do what the people of Israel did, which was stand there and do nothing. They were mocked for days. And when David shows up at the camp to go talk to his brothers, he gives a different option. Picking up in verse 22, David left his things with the keeper of the suppliers, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. As David heard it, when, as, as, and David heard it, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. That's the other option in fear. Stand still and do nothing. Run away. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see this man? keeps coming out, he will come out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth of the, to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, 
what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? See, David didn't just see a man. What did he see? You're disgracing Israel. You're disgracing God's people. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Goliath didn't just represent a big, formidable foe. Goliath was standing in opposition to what God wanted to do. And the people of Israel were standing in fear and running away. Down in verse 34, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the army of the living God. And then verse, 20, verse 37, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. The Lord has done it before, and he will do it again, is what David said. The Lord has done it before, and he will do it again. Too often we look at the circumstances in front of us and say, God, how are we going to proceed? But we sometimes forget to stop and remember what God has done before. Had had David defeated a, a giant before? No. But had Israel defeated a giant before? Yes. Why? Because God was with them. If we learn to remember how God has overcome somebody else's situation, just like your situation, we learn a third direction for fear, and that's forward. Do you think David was still scared? I mean, I, I've done big stuff before. I've never killed a giant. But I've done big things trusting that God was going to take care of it because God has taken care of it before. And sometimes the testimony that I believe isn't my own testimony. Sometimes the testimony I'm drawing power and strength and encouragement from is someone else's testimony. That's why I think testimony is so very important. We can be encouraged by what God is doing in the lives of those around us. How many of you have had God deliver you from a situation that you couldn't have gotten through on your own? Your testimony. Your testimony could be the, the, the encouragement that someone else needs. That's why we weren't meant to walk through this life alone. We're meant to walk through it encouraging one another. We're meant to walk through it in relationship. We're meant to walk through it walking hand in hand with each other, trusting that God will do what he has done before. And we all know that David went out and defeated Goliath, but here's the thing that we don't necessarily realize because we don't talk about it a lot in, in churches, but David's courage, trusting that God would do something amazing, encouraged his mighty men. They followed David. How many of you have heard of David's mighty men? They've done amazing feats, great things. And if you read, and we're not going to read the whole thing here, but if we read in 2 Samuel chapter 21, starting in verse 15, we see again where four giants are defeated. One of them was getting ready to kill David. David, who had already beat a giant, now this is 50 years later, so he's 50 years older. 
about to be defeated by a giant, one of his mighty men jumped in and saved him and defeated that giant. And if you look at the end of that section, in verse 22, it says, These four were descendants of Rapha in Gath, and they fell at the hands of David and his men. They were descendants of Rapha in Gath. What were they? They were giants. They were giants. They were giants. There's other accounts of giants being killed. And some people want to chalk it up to bad language, bad translation. But here's what I believe. I've, I've read enough commentaries on it. I've read enough word studies on it. These were giants. Maybe not the, the uh, Jack and the Beanstalk kind of giants that you see in Disney. But they were giants. They were big, threatening, scary killers. Goliath said, if you beat me, we'll, we'll become your subjects. His brother was one of the giants that was killed in that section in, in 2 Samuel. I think part of what inspired David's mighty men was the example of what David had done. The victories you've had in your life, they're not just for you. They're for you to share. They're for you to tell others about. They're for you to encourage others with. Not bragging, because it's not something you've done on your own. It's not something you've done by yourself. It's something that the Lord has done in your life. And that's the beautiful thing about chapter 22 in in, uh, 2 Samuel. Here's how David starts 2 Samuel 22. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hands of all his enemies and from the hands of Saul. He said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. And then he goes on, the whole chapter is a great praise of the Lord. But here's what David recognized. And this is what Joshua and Caleb recognized. And this is what David recognized when he first faced uh, Goliath. That his strength, his power, his boldness was not from his own ability. It was because of the Lord's provision and strength and mighty power. It's not our, we're not going to do it on our own. We're not going to do it on our own. There's many things that are uh, considered somewhat impossible. They're considered uh, unattainable. I was thinking about this uh, in, in reference to this morning's message. Uh, many of you might know the name uh, Roger Bannister. Anybody know the name Roger Bannister? Roger Bannister was the first man to run a four-minute mile. Prior to Roger Bannister, it was, it was the standard... Uh, it had never been done before. It was in 1951 that he ran a four-minute mile. Prior to Roger Bannister, it had never been done before. Now, some people will tell you that people thought it was impossible, but that's, that's just a myth. But it had never been done. Think of all how many years the Olympics have been going on, competition been going on. 1951 is the first recorded time of somebody running a, a sub-four-minute mile. Do you know how long his record stood? 46 days. 46 days. Do you know why? Because once somebody saw that it was possible, they said, I can do it too. I can do it too. When we see the faithfulness and testimony of God in someone else's life, it should be an encouragement 
not a discouragement. Sometimes people don't like other people getting blessed. Why not me, God? Well, I don't have that answer. But here's what I know. If God can do it for them, God can do it for me. I can be encouraged because I don't have to do it on my own. I can be encouraged because I know God is able. But see, we get gripped by fear. We grip by, get gripped by insecurity. We get gripped by comparison. We get gripped by all of these things that freeze us in place. Cause us to run away. Because we're trying to do it on our own. So how do we move forward? How do we move forward? You overcome fear the same way David overcame the giants, the same way his mighty men overcame the giants, the same way that Joshua and Caleb overcame the giants. You kill it. You kill it. How do you do that? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Finally, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. Finally, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. The Lord goes before me. Who can stand? Who can stand before the Lord? But too often we try and push it on our own. Too often we try and figure out how to do it on our own. We're going to overcome fear. We're going to overcome anxiety. We're going to overcome these, these things that hold us back by killing it with the power of the Lord. We're not given a spirit of fear. We're not given a spirit of fear. Finally, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. See what the Lord has already done and trust him to do it again. See what the Lord has already done and trust him to do it again. 